Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Amy Lykosh, and Amy is an author, a mentor, and an entrepreneur like me. Through her ministry, Workplace Prayer, and her coaching program, Prayer Mentoring, she covers businesses in prayer and raises up intercessors to do the same. So she's going to teach us about that a little bit. Like, what does it look like to pray in the workplace? Why does it scare you so much? Why are you not doing it when God's been prompting you to do it for, I don't know, a few months, years? What does that look like? And what is God going to do in your workplace when you, you really step into that obedience? So we got a lot to cover today, and we're going to get into Amy's personal story uh, how she like grew up, where she's been, you know, just cooperating with God's plan, where she's been confused about his direction like the rest of us, um, where she uh, was clear on his plan but didn't want to do that next step and resisted because she didn't see like how's it going to all work out, right? All that self-doubt we wrestle with. So BC Nation, if any of that resonated with you, you're in the right place today. So grab your pen and paper. And take some notes, because God's going to lead and Amy's going to talk. Here we go. Uh, Amy, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Thank you so much for having me. So my parents started a business in 1990. They created a homeschool curriculum, sunlight curriculum, and for 30 years, they had intercessors or just their staff pray over the business. And after 30 years, we had such an amazing set of testimonies of how the Lord had provided. But there were certain things that were kind of entrenched that I didn't feel like we were getting the shift that we needed. And so we ended up hiring an intercessor to pray for our business, someone who had been asking the Lord for 40 years, Lord, teach me to pray. And after four days, I texted him at 11 at night and I was like, Bob, we have had 10 answered prayers today. And I thought this was the most incredible thing I had ever even been able to conceive, like 10 answered prayers in a single day. And he texted back and he was like, let's go for a dozen. And I remember just looking at my phone, like, who thinks like this? Like, why, why was he not content to have 10? I mean, who, who thinks like, oh, there's only another hour on the clock, but let's go for two more. So this was a new level of prayer and authority in prayer that I didn't know was possible. And so it made me really excited. 
Mm. BC Nation, in the marketing world, on my other show, Your First 100K, where I teach you how to make your first six figures in 12 months, this, what Amy just did there is called a marketing hook. She just hooked you for the rest of the show. Because now you want to know. You got to know. How do you do that, Amy? I want to do that in my business. I want 10 answered prayers today, pushing for 12. So, Amy, well done on the little marketing hook there. <laughs> Thank uh, you. You're welcome. She's like, I didn't mean to do it, but darn, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> so, Amy, let's go back in time. But before we do, take, take a minute. Share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. I have five boys and we moved to unimproved land in Virginia when they were when well, the oldest four were one, three, five, and seven. And we ended up living in a construction trailer for four and a half years. So six of us lived in 228 square feet with no running water. So I am actually pretty amazing. <laughs> I love it. Go God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Okay, like, man, two marketing hooks back to back. <laughs> Tell me that story. Okay, yeah, you know what? Before you do. Yeah, yeah, see what I did there, BC Nation? I'm leaving you on the hook. It's terrible. It's cruel. All right, so before you do, Amy, before you tell us that story, because we want to hear that story, okay? Where was God growing up in your life? Were you raised? I'm guessing you were raised with faith. You had intercessors over the business. Your parents were all in with God. Like, I might, I might have multiple questions here. Where do you even hire an intercessor? Like, are they like you Google intercessor, prayer intercessor from my business? Like, what's the deal there? So go back in time and uh, just tell us your upbringing, right? So you're surrounded by all that faith. Then you move into your teenage years. Many of us around the college age, we lose our faith. We doubt our faith. We get uh, the poison of the enemy's lies come in and we just give up. And we're like, what's the point? I don't get it. It's like checking boxes, etc. And then maybe some of us, God just loves on and brings us back. But is that how your story went? Tell us your story up until like uh, mid-20s, 30s. Yeah. Hmm, thank you for asking. So I did grow up in a Christian home. My parents were a part of a missions organization, which they wanted to reach um, the world for the lost. And so we had different trainings at times about prayer and um, the U.S. Center for World Missions, where my dad worked, they had morning prayer every morning, which was part of why it became part of my family's DNA. And that sense that God moves, but prayer helps him. And uh, that was so deeply ingrained. I think when sunlight started, that was part of what my parents wanted. And the reason why they started sunlight was because they could see that the number one reason why missionaries left the mission field was because they had difficulties with their teammates. I mean, you think, well, the enemy is going to attack the relationships, but the number two reason was because they didn't know where to educate their children at that time, which would have been in the mid eighties. Um, either parents would have to send their children to boarding school or they would come back to their home country just because homeschooling wasn't a very easy option. So my mom thought, well, I can't do anything about the teammate disagreements. That's just kind of between them and God, but I could send people a box of materials so that they can homeschool their children wherever they are in the world. So I had a really beautiful, really strategic upbringing. Um, amazing. When I was in high school, I kind of put some of these different ideas about prayer 
to work. I had tried prayer walking my first high school, my second high school. I would spend the night with my best friend and we would pray for our friends and pray for our school. And so I mentioned that to my sister at one point and she was like, most people don't do that. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess not. But that's just- So to clarify, is prayer walking like the walls of Jericho? Like you're going well, around doing in that? This, that is one way to do it for sure. At that time, I more just kind of went into the the school a little bit before school started and just walked the halls and said, Lord Jesus, we just want you to be present here. So a different form of prayer walking though would be to circle a building and then at the end of it, maybe give a great shout because that feels very triumphant. But sometimes the Lord says, no, you don't actually need to shout. You can just be a little more on the DL today. <laughs> yeah. So in college, um, I had beautiful, beautiful mentors who poured into my life. And I actually got married after my junior year. So then um, my husband's a little bit older than I am. And so I kind of entered his life in terms of just beautiful mentoring and Bible studies. And yeah, I mean, it was a very lovely upbringing in terms of my walk with God. I would say the kind of the challenges came a little bit further down the road. Okay, thank you for that, painting a very clear picture for us. Now, as you know, there's someone listening to this show that says, oh my gosh, Amy, that's like my story. Like, man, I've just feel so protected by God my whole life. I, I haven't gone through like the challenges I've seen friends go through. Like, I didn't even know people went through that suffering. I didn't even know it existed in the world. By the way, I married that girl, right? Like she was homeschooled, shielded, protected. And, and when she met me, she's like, what? You suffered? What? I don't get it. <laughs> and then... There's someone listening that is like myself, um, where adversity started at a very young age. They didn't choose it, but enemy attacks the home, the family, right? Divorce enters in, all this stuff, abandonment. Uh, and their life is just colored uh, with pain and suffering. And I'm not making myself out, but I'm saying, yeah, that was real. And there's so many others, right? So there's a listener right now that goes, Amy, I don't really resonate right? Because mine was the opposite. So take us to that place now. What age were you when the adversity started to hit your life? Walk us through that story. Well, so this goes along with the call to go to the farm. So we lived in suburban Boulder and life was pretty much ideal. We had three young boys and my husband as an engineer was making good money. You know, it kind of really felt like life is set and it's amazing. And a friend of ours from church had said, you know, we go to this little hippie church and families keep moving and nobody's coming. So maybe could we spend the summer and just ask the Lord what he's doing in our lives? And I would never want to give the impression that I was like super spiritual about how I went about this. So pretty much the way that prayer looked was I'm going to ask the Lord, like, as it comes to mind, I'll pray like a one sentence prayer, like, Lord, if you could give us some direction, that would be great. And then move on with my day. So, you know, a couple times a week, this is not like Amy on her face praying for an hour, like, please just show us your way. In any case, so then there was a day that summer where my husband was driving in the mountains and the Lord said, go move to a farm. And I was walking with my three boys down the street to go and walk around a little lake near our house. And the Lord said, go start a farm. So when my husband came back that evening, and I will also just say this was not normal for us. This was like really an unnormal thing that had happened. So my husband walked in and he said, I think we're supposed to move to a farm. And I said, oh my goodness, I heard it too. I guess we better do it. Well, we were suburbanites. Like we had never milked a cow. We didn't herd sheep, you know, like chickens. Anyway, all of this stuff. And so 
we had though, at least for me, I had this idea, like the Lord has told us to go and start a farm. Oh my goodness. We're going to be like Jacob. Like I would read the scriptures and get so excited, like the multiplication of the flocks and the healing of the land. Like I cannot wait. This is going to be epically awesome. And then we moved to the land and everything died and everything died and everything died. Like for years, everything died. And people keep asking me like, Hey, did you see that movie about the biggest little small farm? And I'm like, I I still have some trauma around my farming experience. Like I'm really happy that they were able to make this beautiful work of art, but that is not my life. And so, um, I, I really had to go through, there were years where, um, it felt like I was just crying a lot. And uh, my husband is a real man of faith. And he'd be like, Amy, it's just like we're putting in a college tuition, you know, and then at some point there's like, we're going to figure it out. And for me, after a few years, I was like, okay, I have paid the college tuition and I do not think we are figuring this out. And so after, after a few years, I really felt like I had come where enough and like for a long time, the animals would die and I could like say, okay, that was really sad, but I understand greater what it is to live under the curse. It's going to be okay. And after a few years, it was like, yeah, I'm, I am not getting there. Like I am just actually now sad, like the bull died and we love the bull. And now we're just sad about that. And so after enough of that, I said, Hey hon, I can't live under the curse this much. I need to be done now. And he tried for a few more years and I think he's like, I actually work better with people. And so he, he finally sold off the rest of our cows. And at this point, we really don't farm. We still live on the land and it does now have a house for us to live in. So that's nice. Um, and he uses some of what he learned. So he started a tree service business with a couple of his friends. Um, and I learned a lot about prayer after <laughs> that whole experience. But I think there really was this part where I had to come to terms with the fact that I thought I knew what God's call was. And then like, kind of, because I felt like I had this really amazing call that then the Lord was going to move it in a particular direction. And he actually didn't. And so (laughs) it was sort of like, oh, well, I'm kind of sad about that, but it is, it is what it is. Amy. Yes. Wow. I was like, not a wow. I was like a, whoa, whoa. Mm. That's tough. That's real. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Now, I often say on this show that asking God why questions mm-hmm. is pointless. Oh, it's not. Well, let me finish. <laughs> you can. <laughs> Look at you. I believe when adversity hits, asking God, why, 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 why is this not working? Why this? Why, God? Why did they die? Why this, God? It, it's very circular, and, and the enemy can enter into that with a lot of lies about God being a good father, yeah? So I don't see, uh, this is just from my own life and those I work with, uh, I don't see the uh, effectiveness of asking God why questions. However, what God has shown me is ask him what questions. Hmm. So move from why to what. Mm-hmm. What questions, God, what are you showing me right now? What are you teaching me right now that I'm not getting through this whole farm disaster, travesty? Like, what are you preparing me for? What are you leading me to? See, what questions mm-hmm. are very potent, very targeted, and also very hopeful. 
mm-hmm. where why questions could feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I share that asking you mm-hmm. coming out the other end of that mm-hmm. story, looking back because retrospect gives wisdom sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the reason in your journey that God allowed that for you and your family? Oh, thank you so much for asking. I I don't know if I've ever differentiated between why and what questions. So that is really interesting. Mm. So I would say um, we moved in 2009. In 2014, I was talking to the Lord. And I because I probably am not quite as thoughtful, my question was usually something along the lines of, what was that about? What was what were you doing? Oh, yeah, that's a good what question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, it was interesting because... I think my question was like, what were you doing? And why was that so hard? And what what I heard the Lord say was there were riches available that you did not avail yourself of. Now, mm. I will say I'm an English major and a humanities major. And so the fact that God enter, answered that question and ended it with a preposition was sort of like a little joke to me because I was like, ha ha, I bet you could have figured out a way to say that without ending it with a preposition. But in any case, it was such a beautiful, beautiful question. or Like it was such a beautiful statement. There were riches available that you did not avail yourself of. And I was like, oh my goodness, Lord, you're right. I was living in 228 square feet and there was record snowfall 52 inches that year. And I had actually taken in a relative's daughter. So I had children one, three, four, five, and seven. But if I had had a quiet time, which I didn't for like nine months, I didn't really read my Bible or pray. I bet that would have made a difference. And it wasn't until five years after that in 2019. So a full decade after this kind of challenging, challenging time in my life that I was talking to the Lord about it again, because I was like, you know, Lord, I'm five years older. I know you more now than I did then. And that answer that you gave me, I just don't know if you are quite that judgmental to say, like, if only you had had a quiet time, everything would have been better, right? Like that five minutes would really have done an incredible reset in your life. I'm not saying it wouldn't have, maybe it would have, but I, I just don't feel like that was actually the full answer that you wanted to give me. And so I was talking to him about it again, like, did you want to revise what you were saying at all? And uh, and it, it was so beautiful because what he said was, Amy, there were riches available that you did not avail yourself of, but you, that you didn't avail yourself of them because you didn't know what they were. You didn't know about healing prayer. You didn't know about deliverance. You didn't know that there were certain things you could have asked me for that would have changed it in an instant. You just didn't know it. And it's not your fault, but it, it could have been different if you had known. And so that was very helpful for me. And then as kind of an interesting coda for me, now this is um, 2021 in the summer, this, um, this last year, we had a neighbor come to us and he's been a meth addict the whole time that we've lived across the street from him, just kind of a life that's in free fall. And he came and he said, you know, I'm, I'm turning my life around, but I need to get out of this specific location. Would you be interested in buying my land? And, you know, we're kind of talking to him about it. And he made this offhand comment, like, you know, I think my land might be under a curse. And for me now having studied deliverance and studied different forms of prayer, as well as the fact that 10 years ago, I kept saying like, well, we just live under the curse. Like the animals keep dying. We live under the curse. Um, I was like, oh, interesting. Tell me more about that. And he said, oh, you know, we've rented the house to two different couples and they both came and then they came married and left divorced. And he had this whole other, you know, list of horrible things that had happened. And he he said this thing like, and there is Native American burial sites on my land. And I mean, his land is just across a little dirt road. So in reality, it is actually, basically, it would be continuous with our land. And the, uh, 
that sense of like, oh, there is blood guilt on our land. And I have been praying about that, but I didn't know to pray about that when I moved. I didn't know any of that. And so um, I felt like that was like a little kiss from the Lord, like you're on the right track. And Amy, when I called you and your family to move to this land and you looked around the country for places where you knew believers because you knew it was going to be rough, like and when, then when you stepped on your land and thought, oh, this feels like home, it was awful for a long time, but that's because I was training you and teaching you in additional things. So it was a really um, beautiful confirmation for me of what the Lord was doing. Mm. BC Nation, are you able to look back on your situation the way Amy looks back on hers and see what you missed and see that God allowed it for a purpose or for preparation for what he has next for you. Amy, would you say with confidence that God needed you to see what life is like without being able to access his spiritual tools so that you were well prepared now to use those spiritual tools and teach them to others? I think that that's a fair statement. And I think I would also like to pray a prayer of impartation for your listeners. So Lord, I am asking that in the way that you have been so good to speak, in the way that you have been so good to give me mentors who um, have prayed for me and who have taught me what it is to hear your voice. I'm asking that when people who come to you with their own life story and they say, what was that about? What were you doing? Why did that hurt so much? Lord, I'm asking that they would hear your answer clearly and that they would have the confidence that it's actually you speaking, that they would recognize that you don't come necessarily in like a Charlton Heston baritone, like this is the Lord speaking, but that it actually just sounds like kind of your own voice in your head, except it's usually a little bit nicer, and a little bit more gracious. And so thank you, Lord, that that's who you are. And I am asking that you would bless these listeners with an upgrade in their ability to hear from you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. With that, BC Nation, if you're willing, press pause on this show right now and take a moment to ask God about that part of your story. What was he preparing you for that maybe you've overlooked, maybe you've missed? Ask him now. Amy just prayed over you, cleared the path for you. You got to take the action. Take the action. Take the step. It's in front of you. Go. So press pause and then come right back to us, okay? So I just want to create that space. All right, Amy. We're like on the tail end of the show here, just starting to talk about workplace prayer. But you know what? The Holy Spirit leads. And he wanted us to talk about that. So let's let's segue over to workplace prayer. Why the workplace? place why is this a thing for you why is god calling you um what what is that look like what's that vision look like uh right now for your business your organization your ministry yeah oh you're gonna make me cry a little bit why does it matter um you know businesses are the economic driver of a city and when you look at Jesus, he did not do most of his ministry in the synagogue. I mean, he was there a little bit, and we can see that there is a certain percentage. I've heard statistics, maybe seven, eight, nine percent of the New Testament of the Gospels take place in the synagogue. But most of what Jesus' ministry was, he was in 
the everyday businesses, everyday life. He was outside the walls of what we would today call the church. And so there is such a strategic oversight in the kingdom of God. If we think that the church world is really the only place where God is moving, where people even pre-COVID would only go to church maybe an hour or two a week, but when they're in their jobs, like 40 plus hours a week. And so if we get to bring Jesus and the kingdom into business, this is actually transformative because um, people maybe would never, people who don't yet follow Jesus would maybe never go into a church, but they would come to places of business. And so it is such an opportunity to be able to pray and say, Jesus, you come into this place, you come with your spirit and you come and make a difference here. It's really exciting. Okay. So I agree. And I see the need. What does it actually look like? Um, give us a before and after story of a workplace pre-prayer, pre-Jesus coming in and taking over, and then afterwards, post, like what happened? What changed? Yeah. Give, so do you have a story? I do have a story. Yeah. Oh, handy. <laughs> I know. Amazing. So one of our clients is one of the largest privately held organic farms in the United States. And so they've been clients for about a year. And when they contacted us, uh, it was so beautiful because they said, you know, Amy, we don't necessarily need more finances. Like we're actually doing really well and we have been farming long enough. We know more or less what's happening. And we're in general, things are going fine, going along pretty well. We just would like to have more influence. And I will say not all of our clients come to us in that state. We have mm -hmm. some clients who are like, I am hanging on by the tip of my pinky fingernail and I am about to go under. And so there's, there's kind of a range between like, I just like some more influence and like, I am actually desperate and about to die. So um, within that spectrum, you know, most businesses fall somewhere in there. But in this case, this was one of the better case scenarios. And what has been so beautiful over the last year is to see how with prayer, everything has just come into greater alignment where they would say, this is the first time that we've ever really had that sense that things go from glory to glory, that the different employees, it's like they have the right people in the right tasks at this point, and they're all willing to work and they all are pulling together. And then there's amazing stories about the Lord's provision, even in the midst of Maybe this was a very hot summer for them. They had record temperatures. I think it was 117 for a while. And they grow potatoes, which are not usually like, hooray for heat. We're really happy. Most potatoes are like, we're happy if it's hot in the day and then it cools off at night. Well, it never cooled off at night. And what was astonishing is that after this summer of amazing heat, they were digging the crop and the, the yields were just record yields. And so our farmer went and he looked and he said, oh my goodness, the variety that I happened to plant this year, I've never really looked at it, but it was developed in a desert environment for hot conditions. And so that was, you know, the, the Lord had to do that. But another little, little story even from last year that is also just amazing from this farm is there was a day I was down walking and praying and, uh, you know, I have a little bit of a farming background. Mine was not a successful farm, but still I know about large equipment and such. And so I said, Lord, this is potato harvest season. Just bless the team. Give them safety. You know, I know that anytime there's large equipment, there's a possibility for accidents. And uh, I, I recorded that message and sent it off to our client. And um, a, a week or so later, uh, the wife called me and she said, Amy, that same day that you prayed that prayer, um, our manager, who we love, who's amazing, had gotten caught in the potato chain in, of the digger. And he was, uh, he said, I, it should have taken my head off. I don't know how I got out. And I talked to him about this later. Um, and he said, 
yeah, it like the chain is so powerful. It had gotten both of my arms and I was levitating off the ground. Like it was sucking me in and there were farm hands all around who are watching this, like, Oh, Oh my goodness. And so the fact that he walked away entirely unscathed, I it's, it really is just a miraculous, beautiful story of the Lord's provision. And so this, this would be just one example. We feel like when we look at the different stories of businesses, when they have prayer, it, that's, we see kind of the same thing, a sense of being protected of somebody has their back, maybe for the first time, there's a sense of um, everything coming into the right alignment. And it isn't always like, oh, and then financially, everything just popped into place right away, because sometimes that isn't the first thing that the Lord has for um, a business, but it is so beautiful to see like what the Lord has is what comes to pass. Hmm. Okay, this is interesting. VC Nation, isn't it intriguing? I mean, I'm pretty intrigued right now. And I gotta know, this is on behalf of my listener. They're whispering in my ear right now. They're saying, Joseph, ask Amy, how do you price prayer? Like, what price do you charge for praying over a workplace? Like, how do you even come up with a pricing model for that? You can't do it for free, I think. Could you speak to that for a second? Because that's just so curious to me. Well, I do love that question. <laughs> Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Um, so this, the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur in general <laughs> is that you kind of get to make it up as you go along. So I'm not going to say that I think that this is like exactly the right answer, but I know that there are certain um, organizations or ministries that do similar things as we do. And they generally will say, like some of them say, just pay, you know, as you feel led by the spirit. And on the one hand, we would maybe be okay with that. But there's also part where because we're dealing with workplace people, we felt like it would be maybe better to actually have um, the a sense of like, here's an actual proposal. So this is just what we have. So we have a tiered model where we say, if you just want to send us emails or texts, when you really feel a specific need, then that's a certain, you know, it's a few hundred dollars a month. If you have, um, if you want to actually talk to us, then that's going to be more <laughs> just mm -hmm. because then or it's exchanging our time. Um, it, it is an interesting question also, because when we pray for businesses, it's not like um, a job as a writer or editor, like, oh, you started at this time and then you ended at this time. Like my business partner, Bob Perry, he prays all day long, probably all night long. I've, I've kind of asked him at times and he's like, well, Amy, you know, you're pretty competitive. And so I don't want you to, I kind of don't want you to know because I don't want you to like be up in the middle of the night, like, no, I'm going to pray more hours than Bob. So the, uh, but there is that sense of like, here we are, we really do want to carry our clients as, as much as we possibly can. The beautiful thing is both Bob and I really love prayer and we love praying together. So we pray over our clients seven days a week and it's such a joy and a privilege for us. Thank you for shedding light to that question because that was just, that was burning a hole in my left ear. All right. Now, it's interesting what you said, because you tap something, right, for all our Christian entrepreneurs out there that say have said that very thing to their potential clients or clients. Just pray, uh, sorry, just pay me whatever, you know, the Holy Spirit leads you to whatever you feels right. How did you say it? Yeah, pray as you, or pay as you feel led. Do you feel pay led? as you feel led. <laughs> all right, so BC Nation, I'm going to interrupt your thought process here with this. What if they're being led not by the Spirit, 
but by the flesh. That's quite a big assumption. Now you're going to get underpaid because it's going to be what's in it for them, fleshy intention, right? So I just want to put that out there because I used to do it. I'm guilty of it. And I know a lot of people who are. Don't make the assumption that your clients are spiritually in the right place in their journey and being led by the spirit to put your entire business model in their hands. Don't do it. Would you agree with that, Amy? I I probably would. And I I can't speak from experience because we haven't ever actually done that particular model. I will say it is very beautiful to me. We have several clients who we would send them a proposal and then they actually pay more or they pay based on the, the overage that they're seeing. And that's that different. Is, that's that good. is such a blessing. It's really, really beautiful. So yeah. that's awesome. Okay. What have we not spoken about with workplace prayer that you really want to get across to my listener right now? So I want to say that the Lord actually acts when people pray. So when I first met Bob Perry in person, one of the things that he said to me was, Amy, why do we pray if we don't expect God to change anything? And he's kind of like, that would be stupid. And it was so interesting because when you think about the Lord's prayer, the, the beginning is so beautiful. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is, it's very beautiful. We want to pray God's kingdom in heaven to come to pass here on earth. But then the very next words, give us this day our daily bread. This was not like a happy devotional, like, oh my goodness, this just sounds really great. But if I happen to have to fast today and for the next couple of months, oh, well, no, when they said that they were expecting that Jesus was actually going to give them their daily bread. And then as you keep going through the Lord's prayer, these are actionable things. Like the, when we speak, we want the Lord to act on our behalf and we need to expect that he's going to. And so Yeah, Lord, I am asking that for anybody who's listening, that they would have an upgrade in their sense of expectation and eagerness that as you are in their lives, that you actually want to change their situations and their circumstances. And I'm asking that they would be able to pray in faith and hope and expectation that you will. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. That was a powerful answer. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, immediately, I had a funny thought, right, as you're doing it, because I do uh, elite one-on-one uh, coaching for men, right, Christian husbands. And many of them come to me after years of therapy or counseling um, and talking about, you know, the issues in their lives or as I call it, the rocks, the lies in their heads. And uh, when they come to me when they're ready, when they've tried everything else and nothing's worked, Right. And they're finally ready to stop talking about their problems, their rocks, and actually get rid of them, right, permanently. And that's what I help them do. So it's interesting because when you said praying, what's the point of praying, people, if you're not expecting God to answer your prayer? It's almost like heavenly therapy. Not to put a, a negative thing on therapy and coaching, but a lot, uh, sorry, a therapy and counseling, but it's really a place to go and be heard and, and just talk about your problems. And, and it's good. And it gives you a sense of you're doing something about it when in fact, many times you're actually avoiding going in and doing the inner work or the forgiveness in your marriage, et cetera, right? So I, I think that's interesting because... Don't we do that in prayer with God and with heaven? We want God to hear our problems, but we don't expect him to actually come in and interrupt because then we may have to participate in changing 
our lifestyle. Yes. And I think that's really one of the things that surprised me is because the goodness of God is so powerful and so beautiful. It, it shocked me when people started to say, Oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to pray because I'm a little bit afraid of what the Lord is going to ask me to do. And so I will say on the one hand, I get it. When you look at the scriptures, he doesn't always ask people to do easy things. And clearly even in my own life, he doesn't. But the reality is that overall, when we look at our lives, we can see, no, the Lord is trustworthy. And when he's calling you to do something that you can trust his goodness and say, I'm going to walk it out with Jesus. I think there's also a part where you know, I used to think that healing prayer pretty much just meant like, oh, your physical body can be healed because that's what we see in the scriptures, right? We see Jesus going and healing eyes and ears and bodies and that's and even dead bodies. That's amazing. Um, but it, it was a while before I realized that there was also inner healing, which is part of what you're talking about, like healing your memories, healing your emotions. Then there's spiritual healing, which is being able to actually offer forgiveness. And because Forgiveness is not easy. I mean, there is a part where it says in the scriptures that righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. And I feel like as a body, we overall get righteousness at least a little, like we get it pretty well, but the justice part, like forgiveness actually oftentimes goes against justice. And so there's this part of like, we, we do, we do need to offer forgiveness because it says that if we don't, that we're given over to the tormentors and nobody wants to be tormented. And yet there's also part of like, and yet that part in us that's like, but justice is actually important. Um, that's, that's good. And then there's the fourth part of healing prayer, which would be deliverance. Like just get rid of the bad things in your life. And the beautiful thing is that's not actually that hard. It's pretty much as easy as saying, I see you spirit of, uh, we'll say idolatry. I refuse to partner with you. Go to Jesus. And in the place of that, I say, thank you, Jesus, that you're Lord of my life. The end. So it's pretty awesome. VC nation. Does it sound too simple? I don't know. I don't think God, I don't think we worship a God of confusion. I don't. All right. We've been speaking with Amy Lykosh. You can find her at workplaceprayer.com, workplaceprayer.com. And uh, they got like some free downloads and stuff just for you to start getting you uh, really uh, trained up in praying over your workplace if that's of interest to you she's about to invite you into something but before we go there welcome to my favorite part of the show amy welcome to the confession round oh, i'm you. going to ask you 10 quick fire questions you'll have about three seconds to answer each think of it like a game show are you ready i'm ready what's your favorite thing about god i love how variable he is and he's so creative it makes me so happy yeah, he didn't just make one colored flower. He made like a billion. Okay, what's your least favorite thing about God? His timing is nothing like mine, and it kind of makes me mad. You know, for all us little control freaks out there, don't you just resonate with that? <laughs> <laughs> Amy, what are you most afraid of? Um, Probably failure, because things like spiders and snakes I'm pretty okay with. I mean, I don't like copperheads, though, either. So maybe copperheads and failure. <laughs> Thank you. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life, which is part of being human. What are you struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? I want the world to change faster. And so it says in the scriptures, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that I, I feel like I just cry about that a lot because in an information age, knowledge should not be that difficult. So partially, thank you for allowing me to come on your show because that is 
and beautiful. Thank you. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Oh, I keep track of my time in 15 minute increments. So probably nothing. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what secret fear do you have about people? You know, I wonder and wonder sometimes if I miss how beautiful they are. So I mm. want to be able to see them with um, the glory that they carry. So this is for Amy and all of you, BC Nation. When you look in the mirror, do you see your own beauty first? I do. I have a beautiful story about that, but... There you go. I remember when I didn't, mm. and I was the most critical person of others mm. you've ever met. Yeah. And it wasn't until God showed me how he made me, who I was, where I came from, what he had for me. Guess what? Then I started to be a lot more compassionate with others because I finally accepted myself. Yeah. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God, Amy? That he is, that he deigns to answer our prayers with such deep compassion. Yeah, I agree. What's a new habit you want to create? I would like to be more strategic in how I read books. I tend to read them like front to back, every bit of it. And I think I could probably get a lot more done if I just said, what is the specific part in this book that I would like to figure out? Yeah. Got it. What's a bad habit you want to uh, break, get rid of, destroy? I have been very intentional for many years about not having bad habits. So probably none. <laughs> so you have no bad habits? I really, really try not to. I mean, I, I could dig here if I wanted to. No, no. I mean, and you're welcome to do that. But the reality is like when I was 18, I was like, I will not drink coffee because Paul said, I don't want to be beholden to anything. So when I was 12, my we had a little game where you could like spin a little dial and it would be like kind of like a little lottery. And I was like, oh my goodness, I really liked playing that. I, I don't want to do that because I might become a gambler. So I like from the age of 12 or maybe even before I was like very intentional about not developing bad habits. Very disciplined human mm -hmm. being I'm speaking mm -hmm. with right here. <laughs> All right, Amy, pick three words to describe who you are now. I am joyful, excited, and focused. Pick three words to describe who you were before mm. you experienced God with expectation. Mm, that is a beautiful question. I was hesitant. I was probably still intentional, but less focused. Mm. So maybe we could say diffuse, like kind of all over the place. Got it. I'm going to have to look that word up. You're right. welcome. Mm -hmm. And last question. If you could mm -hmm. come back to life after you oh. died, oh. look your family and friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything, what would you say to them? Jesus is worthy. Yeah. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about workplace prayer for their life, for their workplace? That you can pray and God will hear and God loves your prayers, even if they're only one sentence and you feel like you have no idea what you're doing. Even the disciples had to say, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to love, though they probably could have. But no, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. So it's not actually as intuitive. And if you feel like you're a failure, you probably just haven't had any coaching or instruction because this is actually part of the problem in the church. I agree. Speaking of that, where does BC Nation go to get that instruction from your team 
And uh, what do you got for them? You got like a free download or that? What do you got? Yeah, yeah, we have a really lovely free download at workplaceprayer.com that is five strategic prayers to pray for your business. I don't think that's the official title, but it does have five really good prayers to pray for your business. And you can also um, get in touch with me. I'd love to tell you more about our prayer mentoring program and the other things that we have in order to encourage people to know how to pray more effectively. All right, BC Nation, go get your free download, Five Prayers for Business That Get Results. Oh, there you go. You got the right title. Go <laughs> now. Work. Go now and get your results already, people. <laughs> All right, uh, Amy, thanks for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked, and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net, and let's see if I'm your guy.